Hi, I'm Nicole Ferraro, and this is The Divide, a podcast from Light Reading exploring the ongoing digital divide, why and where it still exists, and what needs to be done to get people everywhere connected to reliable, high-speed internet. Today, I'm joined by Tiago Rodriguez, CEO of the Wireless Broadband Alliance. We discuss the role that Wi-Fi and open roaming can play in closing the digital divide, particularly in rural areas and small towns, as well as why he's calling for global governments to follow the FCC's lead and allocate more spectrum for Wi-Fi. Tiago, thank you so much for joining me. Um, Welcome to the podcast. Hello, Nicole. Thank you so much. Uh, my dog just started to bark. I, <laughs> so I sorry. Welcome your dog to the podcast as well. It's great to have you both. It's <laughs> we rarely get to have a dog guest, so I appreciate that you, that you brought one. Um, so you're here today uh, from the Wireless Broadband Alliance. Um, I don't think we've had a chance to chat before. I haven't had a Wireless Broadband Alliance member on the podcast. Well, somebody from the organization. I'm sure I've had a member. Uh, so why don't you tell me a little bit about the organization and your role there? Yeah, so uh, the Wireless Broadband Alliance is the typical nonprofit uh, association. Uh, in fact, we are based in the US, but we have a global membership uh, that supports the alliance. Uh, for that, we run a series of technical programs and as well uh, events for the members. Uh, and we develop work on uh, trying to make Wi Fi easier for everyone. So. Uh, Wi-Fi, it's a very common technology that all of us, we use on a daily basis everywhere. Um, and uh, there is always areas for improvement, uh, and there is always uh, the need to bring the different stakeholders, either the device manufacturers, the, the infrastructure manufacturers, or even the, the carriers together. And we need to reach some common ground to make these technologies somehow available and um, possible to be used by all citizens of the world. So it's been a, a, a quite off a ride uh, and has been very interesting to work with members all over the world on making Wi-Fi better. Awesome. So, you know, we don't talk about Wi-Fi a ton when we're talking about solutions to closing the digital divide. So I I know you guys um, recently conducted some research with Meta and maybe some other partners on where Wi-Fi can play a role in closing the digital divide. Tell me a bit about that research and some of your takeaways. Yeah, so we did a a quite comprehensive research on um, digital divide and in particular uh, for rural areas. Uh, and definitely, uh, there is still uh, a big part of the global population that doesn't have access to the broadband connectivity, right. uh, either because they cannot afford it, or either because they don't have the skills to use it, or even because there is no broadband availability on whatever region of the world that they live. Uh, that counts almost for 40% of the population, based on our research, which is quite a lot. Almost uh, 3 billion people uh, don't have access uh, to, to broadband. Um, and many of our members, uh, they are large uh, corporations that they have um, the concern that how can we accelerate uh, and bridge that that digital divide. Uh, They have their own programs and initiatives, but uh, coming under the umbrella of an organization like Wireless Broadband Alliance, uh, it makes it uh, more comprehensive. uh, And uh, in my mind, 
it gives much more traction when we talk, for example, with World Bank or the United Nations, or even when we talk with governments, we are not talking about one voice, we are talking about a group of companies that want to help uh, to bridge digital divide. Right. So you mentioned, um, let's, I just want to broaden the, the scope of our conversation a bit, because when I mentioned that we don't talk about Wi-Fi a lot, I'm just speaking about plans in the U.S. to close the digital divide through fixed wireless and through fiber to the home. Um, so what parts of, uh, whether the U.S. or other parts of the world, do you see Wi-Fi as a key solution um, for closing the digital divide? Yeah, I, I see it, uh, and, and this can be interesting, I see it as, as a key element because even uh, when I have fiber and I deploy fiber to, I don't know, to a neighborhood that did, don't have any broadband, uh, I can bring the fiber, but then I need one last mile type of technology because the devices that we have, either they have cellular technologies or they have Wi-Fi or Bluetooth, there is nothing else on those devices. So that's where, in my mind, uh, Wi-Fi play a key role, regardless if you are trying to bring fiber or satellite backhaul or any other type of fixed wireless technology to a specific location or a new neighborhood, then you need that last mile or last meters uh, connectivity. Uh, and, and that's where Wi-Fi comes on the play. So we want, I don't know, our kids to study and have their laptops connected. And, and that's where Wi-Fi comes on the play. Uh, so I, I, people may think that Wi-Fi needs to provide the end-to-end -end solution is not true. Wi-Fi is part of a much, much more vast architecture that somehow provides broadband and uh, yeah, is part of that mix. Right. So uh, yeah, of course, Wi-Fi, you know, works with, with the rest of, of the technologies. Um, but so are there, are you looking at any advancements in Wi-Fi that um, are coming up or happening right now to keep up with the level of connectivity that we're sort of rolling out here in the U.S. and elsewhere? Yeah, in particular in the U.S., uh, we have been very active in two areas as, as an association. Uh, so one of them is one standard that we have that is called open roaming uh, that is, is targeting uh, public Wi-Fi hotspots, so public locations where there is some type of Wi-Fi already available. Uh, and our goal with open roaming is to give a, a fully automatic experience uh, on, on, the, on those hotspots. So whenever I go to an hotspot, I don't need to register or I don't need, I don't know, give some information or watch a video. If I have the, the identity already on my device, I just connect automatically. Um, this is in particular interesting for, uh, for example, students, uh, um, underserved communities, uh, low-income communities, where uh, the public Wi-Fi hotspots, either at the school or even the library or any other place that is of public access, they can complement uh, a broadband strategy of, of that state or that uh, city council. Uh, they can use open roaming to, to complement that. Uh, and in one very particular angle, uh, for people with special needs, open roaming comes uh, with, a, with a very strong value because uh, I even spoke with some uh, government uh, agencies that 
even for uh, the blind people, uh, they struggle a lot sometimes to connect into public locations because the devices are not prepared. They need a special software to identify the networks. And open roaming, because gives that fully automatic experience, as soon as I'm, I don't know, I enter a library or I enter a, a healthcare institution, my device will connect. I don't need to run any special software to understand which networks are available. So open roaming is one. The other one is um, pushing for more spectrum to the Wi-Fi. So uh, Wi-Fi runs on unlicensed spectrum, so that can be used by, by any technology. Uh, US has been a pioneer uh, in the world of allocating more spectrum to the Wi-Fi. Uh, we in WBI, we are very supportive of that. We have been working with FCC on, on that matter. Uh, and I think having more spectrum available uh, will help uh, the Wi-Fi to continue to be a key player on broadband connectivity. Uh, and that will somehow continue to have low prices comparing with other technologies. Interesting. Just to go back to the open roaming stuff for a second, um, do you see that as something, you know, like if you deploy it in an area for a school, could it also stretch to the local homes? Uh, is Do you see it like that? Yeah, we. that's a very interesting uh, point, Nicole. We are talking with a few carriers uh, in U.S. already, uh, for them as well to consider uh, open roaming as um, a complement for their uh, residential broadband. So mm -hmm. let's imagine I invite you to come to my house for a dinner or a, I don't know, a barbecue. And of course, if you come to my house, the first thing is, can you give access to your <laughs> Wi-Fi? So can you give me my password? So, so maybe if people are, are friends, so people don't, don't feel... Uh, somehow afraid to sharing a password, but why do I need to share my own password? So uh, it needs to be a better way to share the Wi-Fi without sharing passwords. Yeah. So that's where open roaming come on the place. So uh, if we have, I don't know, I'm going to say some companies just to, to make it more realistic. Let's imagine I'm, I'm a Comcast customer. You are, I don't know, an AT&T customer. You have, by the way, one open roaming AT&T credential. You come to my house for, I don't know, a party. And suddenly you don't need to talk with me about Wi-Fi. You just connect because your identity is recognized by my router. And they say, okay, now Nicole from AT&T is here. I will give him service. And by the way, I will not touch whatever Tiago network and whatever SSID of Tiago. So it's that's it's safe. And I give a different uh, component of uh, Wi-Fi to, to to visitors. Got it. Okay. What are uh, what are the current barriers to that to that technology? Then are you getting any resistance from carriers? Are there other policies that would um, help speed this up? Yeah, we are getting a, a lot of traction. To be honest, uh, we have major players, for example, I can say that Samsung is providing a open roaming identity in every single new Samsung device. Uh, of course, we'd love to have every single vendor and manufacturer adopting open roaming. Uh, I, I understand that take time sometimes these, these new technologies, but I think we are, we are on the right path. Uh, and I believe sooner or later, more and more, uh, either device manufacturers or infrastructure manufacturers or even government agencies or even city councils will adopt more and more open roaming. 
Um, so when we talk about Wi-Fi uh, in the U.S., at least one of the federal programs that comes to mind for me is the FCC's Emergency Connectivity Program, which funds grants for like schools and libraries to get stuff like hotspots and other uh, digital devices for students um, and patrons. Um, do your members have any interaction with that program? Do you have any sense of how well that's working or any thoughts on that program at all? Well, first of all, I think it's it's a fantastic program and very well needed in uh, not only in the US, but uh, in other parts of the world. But in this case, in the US, uh, the COVID-19 pandemic, it shows to the government agencies how important is the connectivity. We all remember those examples of, I don't know, students going to outside Walmart or outside McDonald's to get connected to the free Wi-Fi and all that. Uh, so definitely super positive, those type of programs. Uh, our members are very active. I know that several of our members are on, 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 on a very strong area of, of applying to those funds and presenting candidatures or, uh, across the different uh, states in the US. Uh, WBA itself, so the Wireless Broadband Alliance, including myself, uh, I've been talking with different state broadband program managers. I've been trying to advocate uh, not only open roaming, but as well the importance of Wi-Fi uh, to help the, the, the digital divide and to improve that connectivity. And I think it's important to realize that Wi-Fi is not the only single solution. I think Wi-Fi is part of a, of a, a group of tools that we have. Uh, sometimes can be fiber, sometimes can be cellular, sometimes can be satellites, sometimes can be fixed wireless, and sometimes Wi-Fi is on the play, sometimes it's not. But I think we, have, we are, fortunate to have a really good set of technologies that can help to, to drive that uh, connectivity and improve it. Um, so sticking with the U.S. for a second, um, one of the rules in the uh, $43 billion-ish bead program is that uh, projects can't use unlicensed spectrum. Do you see that as a problem? Is that something you're worried about at the Wireless Broadband Alliance? A little bit. <laughs> A little bit. I, I, of course, like I said, uh, looking to bridging the digital divide or improving broadband connectivity with one single technology, in my personal view, is that is very limited. I think we should not try uh, to mandate one technology over the other. I think uh, in this case, uh, technology neutrality, it's very important. And I think it should be up to the the candidates to understand and the experts to understand, okay, I want to bid for money to bring broadband connectivity to a, to a village, to, I don't know, to a building, whatever area, what are the different tools that I can use? What are the best technologies to provide that connectivity? And sometimes, like I said, can be, I don't know, Wi-Fi with someone else or can be seller so, or something else. So, so um I guess uh, I wanted to ask you uh, about policies elsewhere in the world beyond the U.S. Let me get, take my U.S. hat off for a second. Um, are there policies that you're happy about or that are working well or, or even programs uh, elsewhere in the world or anything that you're pushing for policy or program-wise elsewhere in the world that you want to call attention to? Yeah, 
I think I can bring two two topics. So one is the example here in in Europe, uh, the European Union uh, under the the arm of the European Commission, they deploy the program that is called uh, Wi-Fi for uh, European Union, and they have been funding uh, Wi-Fi hotspots in small villages across Europe. So we had more than 30,000 uh, municipalities, small villages and towns applying for that fund. Uh, and and they, they started to deploy Wi-Fi. So as you can imagine, we'll not solve the entire broadband connectivity problem, but it's the first step. Um, and that is one. The other one uh, is the need of the harmonization of for uh, additional spectrum. Uh, so, U.S. has been a pioneer uh, and a leader on that front, uh, but there are other regions in the world where uh, either they are not yet allocating additional spectrum to Wi-Fi or they are not allocating uh, the same amount of spectrum as we have in U.S. Um, uh, people may say, yeah, that's irrelevant. Uh, but over time, and if we try to fast forward 10 years from now, uh, will be, at least in my view, uh, a missed opportunity that, for example, people in the US has a better connectivity than in Europe or than in Asia because they have more spectrum on Wi-Fi and we can do whatever new things in our homes because Wi-Fi is somehow, it's better, has better speeds, and then... I don't know, in Europe or someone else, because of a regulatory uh, decision, I cannot have the same type of services. So uh, today, Wi-Fi is harmonized around the world, uh, and I think that's a very good thing. Uh, I think we should continue to do that. So uh, I'm pushing very hard that uh, there is an harmonization on the, on the new spectrum for Wi-Fi across the world as well. All right. And just to give you one last chance to make your case to everybody, why don't you close us out with an example of uh, a Wi-Fi or open roaming project that you're particularly excited about that's helping to close? Well, it? I will tell you one in, in the U.S. So awesome. Adventist Health uh, Hospitals. So Adventist Health Hospitals is, is, is an, an entity that uh, they have their own uh, healthcare facilities. They implement open roaming uh, and they saw... Uh, a tremendous increase on the number of devices connected. Uh, they saw a tremendous increase on the duration of the session. So people not only were connecting more, but they were connecting more time. Uh, and the good thing is that with open roaming is all secure, all automatic. Uh, we are not sharing passwords between ourselves. So each individual has their own password. Each device has their own password. Uh, and that is, for example, one case where uh, their Wi-Fi is serving better their customers uh, and their patients and, and people that are on their clinics. Fantastic example. Uh, great place to end it. Thank you so much, Tiago, for taking some time to talk with us today. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, thank you so much, Nicole. A pleasure. Thank you again, Tiago, for joining me. Thank you as well to our producer, Pierre Landriau, for making this episode. Be sure to subscribe to the Light Reading Podcast for more episodes of The Divide, as well as interviews and insights from the Light Reading team. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. <laughs>